tonight the topic of the talk uh, is the life story of Buddha Gautama. Uh, I like to talk about this topic because there are a lot of misconceptions eh, uh, about our Buddha. So uh, that's why it's uh, good to talk about this topic eh, to know our teacher well. Now, our Buddha was born in a place north, in the northern part of India, and nowadays generally people agree that it is, it is a place called Lumbini in uh, Nepal. A few years ago, there was some dispute uh, between India and Nepal because India claimed that uh, uh, Buddha was born in India, but uh, Nepal claimed that uh, Buddha was born in Nepal. Now they generally agree that it was in Nepal, in a place called Lumbini, the foothills of the Himalayan range of mountains. Uh, and the Buddha's uh, clan was the Sakyan clan, I think that uh, most people know. And that was a warrior clan, uh, uh, what we call the nobility, like blue blood. Uh. Now, a lot of people have been made to believe uh, that the Buddha's father was a king. Uh, this is not true, like the Buddha's father was not a king. The Buddha's father was one of the many uh, people who belonged to the warrior caste or the warrior clan. Just like in, Mal in Malaysia, there are a lot of uh, Tungus and Rajas, but not all of them uh, are Sultans or Agong, right? Uh, sometimes you can even find a Tungku or a Raja who is poor. Uh, uh, so, uh, our Buddha's father was one of the many uh, uh, who belonged to the warrior caste. Uh, his, his father's name was Sudodana. Now after, uh, now maybe I'd like to elaborate a bit on this, why, what evidence do we have uh, that the Buddha's father was not a king? Uh? Now in the Dhamma Chetya Sutta of the Majjhima Nikaya, we find that uh, the king of Kosala by the name of Pasanadi, Raja Pasanadi, uh, he came to see the Buddha when the Buddha was 80 years old. And this king was also 80 years old, and he paid great homage to the Buddha by bowing down to the Buddha and kissing the Buddha's feet. And the Buddha asked him, why do you pay such so much homage to this body? Then he praised the Buddha, uh, and that was what the sutta was about. Now in that sutta it is mentioned that uh, the Buddha was a citizen of Kosala, just like this king. and. Uh, uh, we know uh, that in the country there's only one king, uh, so uh, the king of uh, the Buddha's country was this Pasanadi uh, king and not the Buddha's father. Sometimes people say the Buddha's father was the chief of the Sakyans. That also is not true uh, because in the Vinaya books we find that the chief of the Sakyans was a man by the name of Badia and uh, he was persuaded to renounce by his good friend Anuruddha, the famous Arahan uh, Anuruddha. 
and uh, he uh, renounced uh, and within one year of his renouncing uh, this person Badia became an Arahan uh, we showed that uh, he was a person with great uh, um, what we call uh, sunken uh, good roots uh, with, uh, um, many uh, perfections of character now seven days after the Buddha was born his uh, mother died and uh, we have this uh, famous story uh, that the Buddha when the Buddha was born his mother was standing and he was delivered and uh, uh, after he was born, immediately after he was born, he took seven steps. I took a few steps and he proclaimed that he was a chief in the world. Nobody was superior to him. Now this kind of story uh, is uh, a bit uh, hard to believe, uh, even though it is found in the suttas. Uh, uh, it is a bit hard to believe. Uh. Now, seven days after the Buddha was born, his uh, mother died and um, his uh, auntie, that is the mother's uh, sister, uh, took care of him like her own son. And this, uh, these two sisters were the uh, wives uh, of this uh, Buddha's father. So. Uh, but this uh, stepmother by the name of Mahapajapati also had her own son by the name of Nandiya. Uh, so she took care of our Buddha and took care of her own son, both just like her very own son. Uh, in the Vinaya, the Buddha said uh, that he had a very good life when he was young because his father was richer. Uh, and his father built three uh, mansions for him to stay uh, for the three seasons because in India there are three seasons the rainy season which lasts four months the winter season which lasts four months and the summer season which lasts four months uh. so on different uh, seasons uh, he would live in different mansions uh. and he said during the Vasa or rains season uh, for four months he lived in this mansion without coming down and he was served by women all women served him without a single man in that mansion so he had a very good life and in the Vinaya books the Buddha also said uh, that he was delicately matured very delicately matured supremely delicately matured in other words what he was trying to say was uh, he was uh, not the kind of hero or macho uh, that people tried to make him out to be uh, later. They like uh, People like to depict the Buddha as a great warrior who could fight, he could shoot a bow and arrow very well and all that, uh, but that was not the case. Uh, so uh, the Buddha said he was uh, very delicate uh, when he was young. Uh, and at a young age, uh, he married uh, and his wife was called Yasodhara. And uh, 
the Buddha, because of his past cultivation, from young, he was always unusual in the sense that he was different from other people in the sense that even though he had such a good life, had a beautiful wife, a rich family, yet he was always troubled by this thought that the world is dukkha, the world is impermanent. And generally, there is this saying that the Buddha saw four things that made him renounce. He saw a very old man which made him think that one day also he will become old. He saw a very sick man by the roadside, which also uh, reminded him that one day he will be very sick. And he saw a dead man or a corpse, uh, which also reminded him that he was going to die one day. And the last one was he saw a monk. And this monk looked so serene uh, that inspired him to renounce life. Whether he saw one old man or more, or old man, sick man, or dead man, it might possibly be more. But anyway, he used to think about this subject of Dukkha. And the reason why he used to think of it, we can find in a sutta, in the Majjhima Nikaya, or the Gatikara Sutta. Now, in the Gatikara Sutta, it is mentioned that uh, in a previous life, the Buddha was born as a Brahmin called Jyotipala. And he had a very good friend, a, a poor man by the name of Gatikara, who was a pot maker. And this pot maker was a very strong supporter of the Buddha Kasapa. And Buddha Kasapa was the previous Buddha, one Buddha earlier than our Sakyamuni Buddha. So, uh, this uh, Gatikara, being uh, the chief supporter of the Buddha Kasapa, was an anagami, a third fruit area. And he called his friend, Dutipala, our Bodhisatta, to go and see the Buddha Kasapa many times. But this Dutipala refused until he had to pull him by the hair, drag him by the hair. Then only he decided to go. In fact, he was shocked that his friend dared to pull his hand because uh, Gatikara was a low caste person and Dhotipala as a Brahmin was a high caste person. So for a low caste person to pull a high caste person by the hair is really haram, uh, not, not something that, that is allowed. Uh. In fact, uh, if he, the Brahmin complained to his clan, probably they might kill this, this man. So he was shocked, so he asked his friend, you dare to do, you, you dare to do up to this stage? Eh? His friend said, yes. Then uh, he said, is it that important uh, to, to, to see your, your, your teacher? And uh, uh, Gatikara said, yes. So then only he went. Uh, so when he went to see the Buddha Kasapa, his friend Gatikara paid homage, uh, bowed to the Buddha and sat one side. But he refused to bow. He just uh, just said hello, hello, <laughs> and sat down. Uh, this uh, uh, this goes to show uh, that uh, this um, story about the Buddha making a vow in the past life uh, has no basis, because if he had actually made a vow, uh, it is useless because uh, he would have already forgotten, right? Uh, just like in previous life, we made any vow. Huh? Do you remember? You don't remember a single thing about the, our previous life. How can you remember your vow? So, 
uh, even asked him to go and see a Buddha, so he refused to go. So it shows that this uh, making a vow, this story, uh, has uh, totally no basis. So after he saw the Buddha, uh, uh, his friend Gatikara uh, told the Buddha Kasapa, he said, Bhagawa, this is my good friend, Jyotipala, and he's a Brahmin. Please uh, teach him some Dhamma out of compassion. So the Buddha, out of compassion, uh, taught some Dhamma to Jyotipala, our Bodhisattva. And after hearing the Dhamma, he changed completely. Uh, he understood the Dhamma. So when he left, uh, he paid homage to the Buddha. And the right hand uh, uh, towards the Buddha, he left. Then after he left with his friend Gatikara, he asked his friend Gatikara, he said, Gatikara, now we have an Arahan, Samasam Buddha in the world. Why don't you read? So Gatikara said, you know, my parents are old and blind. I have to take care of them, that's why I haven't renounced. And Jyotipala said, in that case, I will renounce. So in that life, huh, you see, just hearing the Dhamma, he turned in the opposite direction, huh, had so much faith in the Buddha Kasapa to the extent of immediately renouncing under the Buddha Kasapa. Now that kind of person huh, is definitely huh, a Sotapanna. A person who, uh, upon hearing the Dhamma, has understood the Dhamma, and in our suttas and Vinaya, the Buddha says uh, that that kind of person has attained the vision of Dhamma. Ah, uh, uh, And uh, this means uh, attaining the first path, uh, Arya. And the Buddha says that uh, before he dies, he will definitely, uh, uh, first path Arya will definitely attain the first fruit before he dies. So at that life, uh, our Buddha, uh, at that time of uh, hearing the Dhamma, he must have attained the first path. And then as a monk, uh, he practiced under the Buddha Kasapa and attained at least the first jhana. Because we know from the suttas, after that lifetime he died, uh, and passed away and was reborn in the Tusita heaven. And coming down from the Tusita heaven, he came uh, as a last, last life uh, uh, before he became a Buddha. So, in the, the, the last life, uh, the Buddha mentioned that when he was very young and his father was supervising the, the workers in the field, uh, he sat under the Jambu tree and he attained the first jhana. Nobody taught him. He just sat under the, Bodhi, uh, the, the Jambu tree and attained the first jhana, which shows uh, that in his previous life, as a human being, he had already attained at least the first jhana. Uh, so, uh, it is very probable uh, that in that life, as a monk under Buddha Kasapa, he should have become a Sakadagamin, a second fruit Arya. Because uh, Sakadagamin, uh, the meaning of the word Sakadagamin means once returner. He will come back only one more time as a human being and enter Nirvana. Uh, so that is why we can understand why when the Buddha in his last life, uh, even though he had such a good life, yet he was always thinking of Dukkha because he was a Sakadagamin. And a Sakadagamin uh, is like a ripe durian, you know, doesn't need the wind to bring it down. Uh, no wind or so, uh, is, is uh, ripe enough, it will fall by itself, the durian. 
So this kind of person is bound to enter Nibbana. Whether there is a teacher or there is no teacher, he will struggle and enter Nibbana. Ah. So we can understand from here why when the, 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 the Buddha, uh, his wife, gave birth to a son, uh, he said, uh, what, what in Malaysians will say, Alama, uh, son is born. Uh. So he called his son Rahula. Rahula is like a born, uh, something to tie him down. Soon uh. after the son was uh, born, uh, he decided to leave because he thought uh, if he stay back, he will have to carry out his duty as a father to bring up his son. <clears throat> so at that point, he renounced. Now in the suttas, in the Majjhima Nikaya, they stated that the Buddha renounced in front of his parents. Uh, whereas the, the legend, uh, the story about the Buddha is normally we know uh, is that he took a last look at his wife and his sleeping child and then in the middle of the night, he stole away. But that would have been like a coward, isn't it? <laughs> but no, he, our Buddha, in front of his parents, uh, he told them he was leaving. And then they cried and they pleaded with him to stay back, you know. Then in front of them, uh, he cut off his hair, put on a yellow cloth uh, and walked away. Uh, so, after leaving, uh, he looked for a teacher. And the first teacher he, looked, he went to uh, was a man called Alara Kalama. Now this was a very famous uh, renunciant at that time because he could attain the highest uh, arupa jhana, uh, formless uh, jhana, that means uh, absorption, uh, meditative absorption on a formless uh, object. Uh, he had attained the base of nothingness. Uh, and the Buddha learned under him and also attained this Arupa Jhana. Ah. And after the Buddha attained this base of nothingness, this Arupa Jhana, Alara Kalama offered uh, our Bodhisatta to be a co-leader with him like, to share in teaching the others. But our Buddha realized uh, that only Jhana by itself uh, is not going to uh, attain enlightenment. So he decided to leave lah, because he was looking for enlightenment. He was looking for the ultimate lah, because he was already a Sakadagamin as I mentioned. Lah. So he he was looking for a way to enter Nibbana. So since this teacher could not teach him how to enter and all his suffering, lah, he left him. Then he went to another famous teacher by the name of Udaka Ramaputta. Udaka Ramaputta was another teacher who could attain uh, formless jhana, arupa jhana. He attained the last, the highest formless jhana, which is the base of neither perception nor non-perception. That kind of state uh, is where it's called neither perception nor non-perception because the perception uh, is like a, a, a flame uh, about to go off, uh, like a candle. Uh. The flame is so small, about to go off. So sometimes there is perception, there is no, sometimes there is no perception. It's like sometimes there is consciousness, sometimes there is no consciousness. It's like the flame about to, flame of consciousness about to blow off. After he attained this state, uh, he told his teacher, and his teacher, uh, being I suppose very old, uh, told him to take over his place, you know, his teacher wanted to retire. <laughs> But he also was not interested to become a teacher, also he left him. 
Then after leaving these two famous teachers, uh, he went about on his own and he, he tried his own uh, way uh, to find an uh, end uh, to all suffering. Uh. Uh, one of the ways was he thought, uh, while we are living, uh, we have this body and this body gives us a lot of suffering. So we are living because we continue to breathe. So he decided to stop breathing. Uh. So when he stopped breathing, uh, slowly, slowly, uh, he, the pain uh, started to develop in his head, in his body. Uh, and the pain uh, in his head, uh, he continued to, to stop breathing. Uh, the pain was intense. Uh, he said like somebody put uh, something very tight around his, his head uh, and tightened the, 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 this uh, bond around his head until he felt the head drop and all that and still he could stand it why was his will so strong because he had attained jhana if a person has attained jhana the mind is very strong so he could he could force himself to stop breathing and then the body started to to hurt he said his, his stomach was as though somebody took a knife and cut his stomach and yet he continued to stop breathing and then, you know, if you continue to stop breathing after some time, uh, you, you are starting to die. Uh. Mm. So the devas, these heavenly beings, uh, saw him, you know, so they came to see him. Uh. So one deva said, uh, oh, this ascetic is dead. Then another deva said, oh, this ascetic is not dead, but he's dying. Uh, and then another uh, passed this kind of comments. Uh, he's not dead, but he's dying. Uh, and then another uh, passed this kind of comments. Uh, then another uh, deva said, we are not going to allow him to die. Lah. If he continues like this, yeah, we are going to inject heavenly food into his body to make him live. Lah. Hmm. So because he had attained this Arupa Jhana, he could hear what they were saying. Lah. He could probably see also, see them also. Ah. Because in the suttas is mentioned, if a person has attained the four Jhanas, ah, or any of the Arupa Jhanas, ah, he can see devas and can talk to devas. Not all of them, but most, of, uh, many of them. So he, uh, when he heard that they were not going to allow him to die, then he stopped. Uh, he stopped this uh, uh, this uh, exercise. Uh, then he thought of some other way. Then he thought uh, much of our suffering uh, is due to the thinking mind. If we continue to think, uh, this this mind gives us a lot of suffering. So he thought now uh, he's going to use his mind power uh, to crush his mind. Uh, don't allow his mind to think at all. Uh. So because his mind was so strong, uh, he used his mind power uh, to bend his mind uh, into not thinking. And even he tried to do that, uh, he did not succeed. Uh, but uh, So he stopped it. Uh. But I suppose there are some people, uh, external sect ascetics, uh, who do this and succeed. Uh, because there is a a place in the fourth jhana heavens, uh, a place where the beings are called asanya satta. That means beings without perception. Which also means that they are beings without consciousness, because consciousness uh, and perception and feeling uh, come together. Uh. So those beings have a big body, you know, but no consciousness. And after very, very long time, then they pass away from there. So maybe those are external ascetics uh, who use their mind power. That means they have at least attained the four jhanas. That's why they are born in the four jhana play.
to crush their mind until they stop thinking completely and their consciousness stops. So after that, he, he saw a lot of ascetics practicing these austerities, these penances. So he also followed them, like going about naked. You know, India is a place, during the day it can be extremely hot. But during the night, uh, it is extremely cold. Uh, so, uh, he was suffering. Uh, but uh, he said uh, that uh, like in the night, his, his teeth would be chattering. Uh, and yet, uh, he continued this practice. Uh, daytime, he would expose himself to the hot sun. Uh, and then, uh, another aesthetic practice he did uh, was plucking the hair. Uh, instead of shaving the, the head, uh, every time the hair grew up, uh, he plucked. When you pluck your hair, very painful, you know. Even one hair is so painful. Like, pluck all of his hair. And then uh, sleeping on nails, like, you know, this like this yogi's practice and uh, sleeping on a bed of nails. Uh. And then wearing different kinds of uh, clothing, like, wearing bark skin, using the tree barks uh, as a as a, a clothing, like, using feathers, bird feathers, etc., uh, as a clothing, uh, using hair, human hair. Where to get human hair, probably must have taken off the corpses eh? <laughs> and knit them together to make a, 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 a rope. But I say, you using uh, human hair, eh? very susa. I say, why? It's very hot eh? and then very smelly. Eh? <laughs> and then uh, he, he'll uh, do this uh, practice of standing 24 hours, never uh, lying down, never sitting, continue to stand, you know. Imagine all your blood uh, goes down to your feet, uh, all your feet also will swell. Mm. He continued to do that. And after that, he, he did one by one these uh, ascetic practices, uh, and then he found that it doesn't lead him to enlightenment, uh, then he'll give it up, and try another one. And fine, it doesn't lead him to enlightenment, throw it away, and try another one. Uh. Then, uh, because he was doing all these kinds of ascetic practices, uh, sort of uh, other uh, people, lay people as well as other ascetics uh, came to respect him. Uh, and slowly, slowly uh, he gathered a group of five disciples around him. Uh, these were his disciples. Uh, uh, and then um, he did things like uh, uh, eating only a particular type of food, uh, like a particular type of grain uh, or grass, or eating only fruits. Uh, uh, in the forest uh, that have fallen down, or eating roots, uh, tree roots. Uh, and he also ate uh, like uh, cow dung, you know, uh, cow dung and all that. Uh. Then uh, he'd go into the, away from people. Uh. You know, during the Buddha's days, uh, when somebody has passed away, uh, they don't bury him, they don't burn him, they throw the corpse into uh, in the in the deep forest, la, kind of cemetery, la, uh, and then there the animals will come and eat. La, eat uh. So he went to this kind of place, you know, there's plenty of bones, isn't it? He'll gather all the bones together to use as a pillow and lie down and sleep on, on this pillow of bones. And then um, these uh, cowboys, uh, those boys who look after the cows, uh, they'll come by and then they see him sleeping down there, they come and disturb him and urinate on him. And then they take some uh, twigs and poke his ears, poke his nose, 
But he didn't want his mind to be troubled. Huh? He was trying to cultivate upeka, equanimity. So he, he didn't let any anger arise. You know? Then later he wanted to avoid people. He go into the deep forest. If he saw anybody coming, huh? he ran deeper into the forest. He said, just like a wild deer. If you see a wild deer, the wild deer will run deeper into the forest. So he was just like that, huh? avoided people, kept going further and further into the deep forest. Huh? Then, uh, uh, going back to eating, uh, he, just now I mentioned, uh, he ate this cow dung, uh, then he had to follow the cow, uh, wherever the cow went, uh, he'll eat uh, wet cow dung, dry cow dung, <laughs> to the extent of he, even eating his own shit, you know. Uh, so you can realize uh, how, why uh, the Buddha says uh, women cannot become a Buddha. <laughs> so you are lucky women cannot become a Buddha. <laughs> Then don't have to go go through all that suffering, eh? like our Buddha. Uh, then he ate less and less, you know, less and less until he said he ate one grain of rice a day, uh, or one sesame seed a day. So imagine he eats so little, eh? he suffered from malnutrition, became so thin, eh? he said his eyes sunk inside, uh, then his hair dropped. Uh, then. Uh, uh, he said he was basically a fair person, uh, being uh, from a noble family. Uh, but he said because of malnutrition, uh, his skin turned dark. And when he rubbed his skin, uh, the hair also fell off. Uh, and he said his ribs stood out. Uh, and his stomach went inside. So when he touched his stomach, uh, he could touch his spine. Uh, we try to touch our, we press our stomach also, can I touch our, our spine? Uh, very good. Uh, and then uh, he said he had, he had no buttocks, uh, sort of the, the no flesh uh, in his buttocks. Uh, so he said his, 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 his buttocks was like a, what is it, camel's hoof or something. Uh, uh, and um, his uh, hands and his uh, legs, uh, he said, were like bamboo, you know, bamboo, you know, you get a knot, a knot, uh, uh, so thin. Uh, so because of eating so little, uh, he became extremely weak. Uh. So one day he went to the stream to wash himself. Uh. <coughs> he fell into the stream. When he fell into the stream, uh, he was drinking the water in the stream. Uh. Uh, probably it's not, not, not very much water, maybe a foot of water or less. Uh. But he was so weak, he couldn't push himself up. He couldn't do one push-up. Uh, so he was drowning in that water until... Uh, a girl who was looking after the cows passed by and saw this uh, renunciant uh, struggling in the water, drowning in the water. Then she came and pulled him out of the water. Imagine he was so thin uh, that it was, it was not very difficult uh, to carry him out of the water. And she put him under a tree. Uh, and uh, then uh, this lady gave him some milk rice to take. Uh, after he took some milk rice, and then he felt better. Then he thought to himself, just now uh, he nearly died. Then he realized uh, that if he had died, uh, he would have come to nothing, uh, all his effort. Uh, so many years of struggling come to nothing. So he realized that was not the way to go. Uh. Then he thought very hard, you know, what is this way uh, to get out of samsara, to get out of suffering, to be enlightened. Uh. Then he thought, then he remembered when he was very young, under the jambu tree he had attained jhana. 
Then he asked himself, is this the way? Then because he was a person who had attained jhana, his mind uh, is rid of the five hindrances. So he could realize things, you know, just by contemplating. Then he realized that this was the way uh, to get enlightenment, uh, was by using jhana. Then he asked himself, why didn't he use jhana earlier? Then he realized uh, that he didn't use jhana earlier because jhana is such a blissful state. Uh, and then he thought, uh, by enjoying yourself in bliss, uh, you cannot attain enlightenment. That's what a lot of people think. That's why they go and do penance uh, and do all these austerities. Uh. Then he realized this is not worldly uh, happiness, you know. This is different from worldly happiness. Uh, this is a very different state. So he realized that uh, this was the way to go, uh, go back to jhana. Then he thought to himself, his body is so weak, uh, he could not, was not able to enter jhana. So he said, he realized uh, that he had to take a meal every day. So he, he decided uh, to take one solid meal uh, every day. Uh. So when he did that, uh, his five disciples uh, left him. They thought uh, he was going soft. Uh. Uh, no more fighting spirit. Uh. Uh, last time could eat one sesame seed a day. Now he takes one whole bowl of rice. <laughs> to them they thought this is luxury. Uh. Uh, so they all left him, looked down on him. And he didn't bother with them now. And he continued to struggle on. Then uh, he, after so six years of struggling, uh, he decided uh, that was enough. Uh, he is going to end it. Uh, either be enlightened or die uh, trying. Uh. So he decided to sit under this tree uh, and not get up uh, until he attains enlightenment or he dies. So he sat under the Bodhi tree uh, and he struggled. And he attained the first jhana, then the second, then the third, then the fourth jhana. You know, the fourth jhana is a state very difficult to attain. Uh, the first three jhanas the Buddha calls perturbable, still shakeable. But the fourth jhana the Buddha calls unperturbable, mm, cannot shake, cannot go young. So, because this fourth jhana is such a high state uh, that the breathing stops him. You know. When the breathing stops, uh, probably the heartbeat also uh, is not detectable, probably. So, in that in that deep state, uh, then uh, he used it uh, to look into his past life, because because that state is so high, uh, psychic power can come. So he's, he's, he used his psychic power to look into his past life. He looked at the past lives, many many lifetimes. Uh, he looked into very many lifetimes and then he realized who he was in the past and all the details. Ah, then he realized that he was a monk before under Buddha Kasapa. So all the Dhamma that he had learned from Buddha Kasapa all came back to his mind. Ah. Then after that, that was the first watch of the night from about 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Then from 10 to 2 a.m., 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., which is called the middle watch of the night, he contemplated beings uh, who died and passed on, died and passed on, because he had this uh, heavenly psychic power, heavenly eye, to look at beings uh, dying and passing away, dying and passing away. Then he realized, understood the working of karma. Uh, 
how beings, uh, because of the actions they do, they are reborn in whatever plane, uh, according to their karma. And then the last watch of the night from 2 to 6 a.m., uh, he contemplated on the Four Noble Truths uh, and attained enlightenment. Uh, and this enlightenment of a Buddha is the same as uh, the enlightenment of an Arahant. Now what is enlightenment? Can any of you tell me what is enlightenment? What, what defines enlightenment? How is a person enlightened? Is it because he has great wisdom? This is what nowadays people uh, practicing vipassana like to say. But it's not. In the suttas, enlightenment is defined as the destruction of the asavas. In the six higher knowledges, abhinyas, uh, Five are psychic powers. The last one, the most supreme, is called the destruction of the asavas. What are asavas? Asavas can be defined as uncontrolled mental outflows. That means the, the tendency of the mind to flow, you know, to flow. And this tendency of the mind to flow is basically the flowing of consciousness. And when consciousness flows, you have the six types of consciousness, seeing consciousness, hearing, smelling, taste, touch, and thinking. The first five, seeing, hearing, smelling, taste, and touch, when these five consciousness works, then you see the world, you hear the world, you smell, you taste, and you touch things in the world, right? So there is an external world because the five consciousness are working. The sixth consciousness is the mind, and this, this is our inner world, our inner world. So the sixth consciousness uh, gives you the outer and the inner world. Uh, so it is because of the flow of consciousness that this world is created. But when a person destroys the tendency of the mind to flow, then when he dies, uh, when he passes away, the uh, consciousness stops flowing, uh, because uh, he is already uh, as an arahan, is already able to stop it. Ah. So that is enlightenment, and enlightenment of uh, arahan and uh, <coughs> Buddha is the same. Ah. After enlightenment, uh, our Buddha, he was enlightened under the Bodhi tree. Ah. So he sat under the Bodhi tree, uh, feeling the happiness of enlightenment. In the Vinaya book is called Vimutti Sukha. Sukha is happiness. Vimutti is uh, liberation or freedom. Uh, uh. So he said seven days, uh, that means he must have been uh, experiencing that state of cessation of consciousness, uh, which is called Niroda Samapati or cessation of perception and feeling. Because when perception and feeling stops, uh, then consciousness also stops. Uh. The normal six consciousness. Uh, uh. So, for so seven days, you are sitting under there experiencing this bliss. Then, after that, he got up and then, out of gratitude to the uh, Bodhi tree, uh, he walked away from the Bodhi tree uh, and looked at the Bodhi tree uh, in, with gratitude. Yes, looking at this Bodhi tree which had, which had been shading him uh, for seven days and seven nights. Uh, uh and help him to become enlightened. Then after that, uh, he 
contemplated uh, dependent origination. He spent the whole night uh, contemplating dependent origination until he understood. Uh, the Buddha did not say uh, that he knows everything, but the Buddha says uh, that he, when he wants to know something, he has to contemplate, uh, then he will know. Uh, that's why he had to spend the whole night contemplating dependent origination uh, until he understood. Uh, then after that, he moved to another tree, a banyan tree, and he sat under the banyan tree also experiencing this uh, bliss uh, for, for seven days. Uh, uh. Then after that, he moved to a Muchalinda tree and stayed under the Muchalinda tree for seven days or so, experiencing this bliss of uh, enlightenment. And during these uh, seven days under the Muchalinda tree, a great storm arose. Uh, rain came and a storm came. And this Naga or this uh, uh, snake spirit, uh, he, he realized that this was a holy man. So with this rain coming up, he wanted to protect the Buddha from the rain. So he used, he used his big serpent body, uh, the snake body, uh, coil around the Buddha, coil around the Buddha and put his hood, uh, hood on top uh, to shade the Buddha from the storm and the rain. Uh, then when the uh, rain stopped, he went away. Then the Buddha woke up and then from his uh, this uh, cessation. Uh, then he went to the Raja Yatana tree and stayed under the tree experiencing this bliss again for seven days. Uh, then after that, uh, that means you, you calculate uh, seven, 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 twenty-eight days. Uh, he did not eat anything. Uh, because a person like the Buddha, uh, when he does not eat anything, uh, he, said, he says that he feeds on happiness. The joy of meditation uh, is enough to sort of uh, energize his whole body. Uh, so he did not eat, need to eat. Uh. Then after that, uh, he contemplated uh, whether he should teach what he had learned to human beings. And uh. then he realized that most human beings uh, are not interested in the Dhamma. Uh, so he thought uh, it's a waste of time to try to teach human beings. Uh, most of them are not inclined to struggle for enlightenment. We all tend to follow our tendencies, uh, our natural tendencies. So he decided not to teach. But this Brahma Sahampati, this Deva in the Brahma realm, uh, he realized that here was a, a, a Buddha and it's very rare to meet a Buddha. So he came down and appealed to the Buddha to teach. Uh, and he appealed to the Buddha three times. Uh, and after appealing to the Buddha three times, the Buddha, he, he told the Buddha, uh, he said, it is true, most beings in the world uh, are not interested to practice the Dhamma. But there are some beings in this world uh, with little dust in their eyes. And if you don't teach them, uh, they will uh, sort of, uh, instead of progressing, they will regress. Uh, uh, and then the Buddha contemplated, uh, then, he, then he realized that there are some beings uh, who had already practiced a spiritual path in the past life, uh, and those who had attained jhana and all that, uh, and it would be uh, a waste uh, if they don't hear the Dhamma. So uh, the Buddha then decided uh, to teach the Dhamma. Uh. Then he asked himself, who should he teach first? Then. Uh, he thought about his earlier two teachers, 
Udaka Ramakuta and Alara Kalama. Okay, so our Buddha wanted to teach his two previous teachers. And then uh, the Devas came to tell him uh, that his teachers had passed away. One of them had died seven days ago and the other one had died just one night, uh, the previous night. And he, he thought uh, it was such a waste. If he had taught them, uh, they would have understood his Dhamma immediately because they had attained jhana. Then he, then he contemplated uh, who he should teach next. Then he thought about his five disciples, the five bhikkhus under him. So he decided to go and teach them. So he had to walk a certain distance to uh, teach them. And on the way, uh, he met an external sect, ascetic by the name of Upaka. And this Upaka, when he saw the Buddha, he was struck uh, by the serenity uh, and by the glowing face of the Buddha. And uh, his, the Buddha's faculties were so clear. And uh, he was very impressed. So he asked the Buddha, who, 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 who is your teacher? Uh, then the Buddha said, how can someone like me have a teacher? Uh, the Buddha said, uh, he's uh, basically saying that he was enlightened, that there's nobody superior to him. And then this, this guy, this Upaka, he shook his head. You know, Indians like to shake their head. <laughs> so he shook his head and he thought, maybe, maybe. Uh, then he walked away. So you see, uh, it's so difficult to to, to, to teach people. Uh, this guy had the great fortune uh, to meet the Buddha and the Buddha was sort of all eager to teach somebody. And this guy met the Buddha and was not, uh, not fully convinced, just shook his head and walked away. Uh, uh. Then the Buddha went to his five disciples. At first they were uh, they, they agreed not to welcome him, but when he came nearer, they saw he was, he looked so radiant and so serene that they, they were immediately struck by it. Uh, so they, even though they made a pact not to welcome him, but they automatically, uh, one went to get a seat for him, one went to get water for washing his feet, uh, etc. So he, he, so he sat down on the seat, washed his feet. Then they, 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 they called him friend. Uh, probably previously also they called him friend or something. And he told them not to address him as friend. He said he was uh, enlightened. But they were not convinced. They still called him friend. And uh, even though he told them three times not to call him friend, uh, they still called him friend. Then um, he asked them, ah, they, 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 they said, you know, previously uh, when you were doing all the uh, austerities, uh, all the ascetic practices, uh, you were not enlightened. Now that you have reverted to luxury, uh, eating one good meal a day, every day, how can you become enlightened? Then uh, he tried to convince them, uh, they were not convinced. Uh. Eventually uh, he thought, he asked them, I said, have I ever spoken to you like this before? Then they said, no, you have never spoken to us like this before. 
Then he said, um, listen to him. I said he's enlightened and all that. Then they decided to listen to him. Uh, then he taught them the Dhamma. The first uh, teaching he gave them was called the Dhamma Chaka Pavatthana Sutta. And upon hearing this uh, Sutta, one of the five uh, attained the first path. Uh, and then over a number of days, uh, he just asked them to sit down and he continued to preach to them the Dhamma. And then when it came to meal time, uh, he said sometimes two of them will go up in the butt on arms round and come back with enough food to feed all six of them. Uh. Sometimes three of them will go arms round, bring, it, bring back enough food to, to feed all of them. Uh. So for several days, uh, he taught them the Dhamma until uh, all five of them became Arahants. Uh, so you see from here, even attaining the first path uh, is just by listening to the Dhamma. Attaining Arahanthood, also listening to the Dhamma. He never asked them to use it in meditation, no? Just ask them to listen to the Dhamma. He shows uh, how important listening to the Dhamma is. Uh. Then after that, the Buddha, you know, with his uh, psychic power, uh, he looked for particular persons to teach. Uh. Uh, then he looked for the, the, the next person was Yasa, a very rich man's son, also uh, like the, the, the Buddha as a layman. Uh. But this man had, had a few wives, uh, not like the Buddha had only one wife. This man, I think, had four wives. And yet the Buddha made him come to the forest to see the Buddha in the middle of the night. Uh, then the Buddha taught him the, the Dhamma and then he attained the first path. Then after that, he didn't want to go home. He stayed with the Buddha. The next morning, his father was worried, sick, uh, because his son was missing. Um, so his father was a very rich man, probably the richest man in that town. So his father went looking for him all over the place until the father came to the forest. And then uh, uh, came to see the Buddha and asked the Buddha whether he had seen the son. So the Buddha asked him to sit down and said, um, maybe in a while you will see Yasa. Actually, Yasa was sitting next to the Buddha. But the Buddha used his psychic power to shield Yasa from the father so that the father could not see. Hmm. So then the Buddha preached to the father uh, the same Dhamma that he had spoken to Yasa. And this uh, Dhamma that he, the Buddha preaches to a new person normally consists of nine things. Nine things. The first one is Dana. Uh, charity. Eh? The second one is sila, keeping the precepts. Then the third one is going to heaven. As a result of these two things eh, you do, eh, you go to heaven. Then the fourth one is the fol folly, the vanity, the depravity of sensual pleasures. Eh? All the sensual pleasures that we enjoy eh, is actually all uh, sort of never satisfying. Eh? So, And then it makes you more uh, sort of uh, greedy for sensual pleasures. Uh, so after that, uh, if a person realizes this, uh, then he renounces. Uh, so there, that's five things already. Then after that, the Buddha will explain the four noble truths. Uh, so altogether nine things. Uh, so after hearing the four noble truths, uh, a person uh, would, uh, would attain uh, Dhamma vision. That means the first path, Arya. So uh, the Buddha spoke this uh, to the father, and the father became a first path attainer. And uh, Yasa, hearing this a second time, became an Arahant. Uh, the Buddha said uh, that uh, 
if a person has attained jhana, either in this life or the previous life, uh, then upon hearing the Dhamma, you can attain anagami, uh, third fruit, third fruit uh, fruition, uh, or arahanhood, uh, fourth fruition, uh, or the path first. Uh, so, uh, so Yasa became an arahan. That was the fifth, uh, the sixth arahan. Then 54 of Yasa's good friends, uh, they must have been his uh, renunciant friends in the previous life. Uh. They were surprised that he had renounced. So one by one they came to see him. Uh, and when they came to see him, he brought them to see the Buddha. And Buddha taught them the Dhamma. And all 54 of them uh, became Arahans. Uh, one by one they became Arahans. So Yasa and his friends, uh, 55 of them, plus the earlier five bhikkhus, uh, that means there were 60 Arahans at that time. And when there were 60 Arahans, the Buddha asked them to walk and preach the Dhamma for the good of the many folk. And the Buddha asked them not to go by the same road. He said, don't two of you go by the same road. Go by different roads and preach the Dhamma. Uh, so when they went around preaching the Dhamma, and people who understood the Dhamma wanted to renounce. And these 60 Arahans would send them to the Buddha to 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 uh, get ordination. And slowly more and more people uh, uh, came to for ordination. And the Buddha find that it was very troublesome uh, to, to, to look for him uh, to ordain. Then he gave his monk disciples uh, the permission uh, to ordain other monks. Uh. And the first time uh, that this was allowed, they ordained somebody uh, just by giving them the three refuges like Pudang Saranangachami, Dhammang Saranangachami, etc. Uh, repeating that three times uh, and they will be considered as ordained. Uh. The Buddha wanted to go and teach uh, these Jatilas, matted hair ascetics, who lived in Uruvela by the banks of the Naranjara River, I think. Uh. They were matted hair ascetics because they kept long hair and tied them in, a, in, 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 in a, around the head. And they were fire worshippers. They prayed to fire. And they also had the practice of submerging themselves in the river three times in the morning before the sun rose and three times at night after the sun had set. They would submerge themselves fully in the river to cleanse away their sins, just like a Brahmin practice. But I suppose the reason why the Buddha wanted to go and teach them was because they practiced Samatha meditation. That means they they had attained the jhanas. The Buddha, when he wants to teach somebody, this is the best type of person to teach them, because when he teaches them the Dhamma, they will become Arahant. So, actually they were already quite famous because these monks had attained jhana and people thought that they were arahans. Uh, in fact, the leader himself thought that he was an arahan. So when the Buddha came, uh, the Buddha had, uh, had to show a lot of psychic power uh, to convince them uh, that the Buddha was uh, on a higher spiritual level. And after showing them a lot of psychic power, uh, then they were convinced, you know. Uh, one of the incidents was because they were staying beside the river bank. One day, the river overflowed. There was a big flood, you know, and the water level went up very high. Maybe say, for example, ten feet. So then they all sort of went to higher ground, 
Then they realized uh, that they have forgotten about this Samana Gautama, because he was known as Samana Gautama. Then they thought uh, he probably uh, he, he might have drowned. So they decided to take a boat and look for him. Uh. So when they rode the boat to where he was staying, they found uh, that the water was all around him, but where the Buddha was standing, uh, there was no water. In other words, uh, the wall of water was all around the Buddha. So they were surprised, they, they took their boat up there and they asked him to come up. So he just went up <laughs> and the water closed again. So after convincing them by uh, much display of uh, psychic power, another one was for example, uh, this Brahma uh, came to visit the Buddha in the middle of the night. Uh, when uh, this uh, Deva comes to visit the, the Buddha, they will emit a lot of light. You know? uh, so they saw, but they didn't know who it was. Uh, possibly possibly uh, an ordinary person uh, would not be able to see that light. You know? uh, but because they had a cultivated jhana, they could see the light. So the next morning they asked the, the Buddha, who, who came to visit you at night? And then the Buddha said, Brahma. And they were shocked. Uh, they have to pray to Brahma, but Brahma comes to pay respect to the Buddha. Uh, so, uh, in that way, uh, eventually, uh, they were convinced that the Buddha was very much superior to them. Then all of 1,000 of them uh, shaved their hair and became disciples of the Buddha. And then after they became these disciples of the Buddha, the Buddha taught them the Dhamma. And the Buddha uh, gave them a discourse called the Aditya Pariyaya Sutta, or the Fire Discourse use fire to teach them because they they worship the fire. See? The Buddha said the whole world is on fire. Uh, why? Because the eye is on fire, the ear is on fire, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind is on fire. What fire? The fire of greed, hatred and delusion going through the six sense doors. Uh, so at the conclusion of this uh, discourse, uh, all 1000 of them became Arahants. Then after that, uh, the Buddha brought them 1,000 of these Arahants uh, to Rajagaha. Because before the Buddha was enlightened, uh, the Buddha had passed through Rajagaha and had met this King Bimbisara. And King Bimbisara was so impressed uh, by the Buddha's looks uh, that he tried to persuade the Buddha to stay in Rajagaha, to practice, uh, cultivate in Rajagaha. And they would, the king said the king would support him. Uh, but because the Buddha was uh, the great yearning for enlightenment, uh, he did not want to be tied down in a place. Uh, he thought he could not practice well uh, being tied down in a place, so he left. But the king made him promise uh, that if he was enlightened, he would come back and teach them the Dhamma. Uh, so after the Buddha was enlightened, uh, he decided to keep his promise. Uh, so he brought this 1000 Arahans to Rajagaha. And then the king uh, made a great dana. A uh, great feast for the Buddha and his, uh, these thousand former Jatilas. And all, call all his, uh, uh, people of the city of Rajagaha to come. <clears throat> so according to the Vinaya books, twelve Nahutas of people came. And one Nahuta is a huge, uh, huge number according to the, uh, Pali dictionary. Lah. According to the commentaries, one Nahuta can be said to be ten thousand. So, 120,000 people came, you know, to see the Buddha and his 1,000 Arahants. So, when they saw the Buddha and his, uh, these Jatilas, former Jatilas, uh, they were not sure who is the teacher, whether Samana Gautama is the teacher or the Jatilas head is the teacher. 
So the Buddha knew what they were thinking. So the Buddha purposely asked the, the former leader of the Jatila, say, what did you see uh, that made you shave off your hair and, uh, uh, and uh, renounce? And then he understood what the Buddha wanted him to say. Uh, then he explained that he saw the Dhamma. And then after that he said, the Buddha is my teacher, I am his disciple. Uh, after he said that, he bowed to the Buddha. So he said that three times and bowed to the Buddha three times. Uh, so everyone, oh, everybody knew that the Buddha was the leader uh, of this uh, group of uh, ascetics. Uh. So after that, the Buddha preached the Dhamma, just now the nine-point Dhamma I told you, uh, <coughs> to the people of Rajagaha. And all 120,000 of them uh, attained the Dhamma vision. All became Paspa Arya. Uh, so you see, uh, uh, not so difficult to become an Arya. All oh, listen uh, to the Four Noble Truths and became an Arya. The uh, mm, Buddha never asked them to sit down and practice meditation, you know. Just asked them to listen to the Dhamma. Uh, then, uh, then the King Bimbisara offered the bamboo grove to the Buddha and the Sangha as a monastery. La. It was just a bamboo grove. La, huh? You find uh, that uh, this King Bimbisara, he uh, became a disciple of the Buddha. La. So, uh, so he offered this bamboo grove, uh, according to the Vinaya book. How he offered this grove to the Buddha was, he brought the Buddha to this uh, bamboo grove and told him that he was offering this whole bamboo grove, don't know how many acres. And then the Buddha accepted uh, in the Indian tradition by cupping his hands, you know. And King Bimbisara poured water into his hands. Uh, just like our Malay Basanding ceremony, isn't it? They pour water. This is an old Indian, Indian custom. Uh, uh. So, uh, you can see uh, that a monk actually uh, can accept a land uh, for a monastery, uh, uh, but not for himself, uh, for the Sangha. Uh. So, uh, so that's... Uh. Now this bamboo grove, uh, at that time uh, there was no buildings, you know, it was just uh, a, a grove of bamboo trees, uh, no, no buildings whatsoever. And initially, uh, the Buddha and his uh, disciples, uh, they, they just stayed under the trees. Uh, they did not have uh, kutis uh, or huts to stay in. Uh. So because uh, the king uh, became a disciple of the Buddha and uh, he had so many Arahant disciples, uh, that slowly uh, his reputation started to grow. Uh. And then this uh, Sariputta and Mogalana came to become disciples of the Buddha. And how did they become disciples? At that time, uh, before they followed the Buddha, they were uh, renunciants under an external sect ascetic by the name of Sanjaya. And Sariputta was called Upatissa in his lay, lay life. Uh, and Mogalana was called Kolita. Now, remember uh, this uh, Sariputta, uh, as an external sect ascetic, uh, he was going on arms round, and he met this venerable Asaji. Asaji uh, uh, was one of the earliest uh, five uh, bhikkhus uh, under the Buddha. Uh, so, venerable Asaji was an arahant, 
And when Venerable Sariputta walked on the arms round, he met this Venerable Asaji. First time he had seen an Arahan, uh, he was totally struck uh, by the looks of Venerable Asaji. Uh. He didn't look like a normal person. His face was so serene and so bright and clear. Uh. Yeah, he was so impressed. So the Buddha, uh, this Venerable uh, Sariputta asked the Venerable Asaji in the middle of the street, you know, as he was going on Armstrong, he said, Who is your teacher? Uh, what kind of Dhamma does your teacher teach? La? Then the uh, Venerable Asaji said that his teacher was the Buddha. La. Then he said, uh, As to the Dhamma, I am newly gone forth la, in this Dhamma Vinaya. And uh, I can't tell you, uh, I cannot give you a very good explanation of the Dhamma, but I can only give you a brief teaching. La. Then the Venerable Sariputta said, uh, a brief teaching is enough. La. So basically what he said uh, to Venerable Sariputta was that all uh, things in the world uh, arise through conditions and they pass away through conditions. La. In Chinese they say, So just listening to these few words, uh, Venerable Sariputta realized uh, that everything in the world arises through conditions and passes away through conditions. That means everything is impermanent. And just by that, uh, he attained the Dhamma vision, uh, attained the first path. So you see, uh, what basically makes a person a first path attainer uh, is to understand uh, that everything in the world uh, is impermanent. That they call everything in the world uh, uh, comes about uh, through conditions. Conditions, uh, whatever it is, uh, whenever you see it's a cup. Uh, this cup was not like this before. It was probably earth. And earth uh, was not like that before. That earth probably came from trees that, that, and leaves uh, that, that accumulated on the ground. And the trees and, 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 and leaves that accumulated on the ground uh, was not like that before. That probably uh, was a mineral from the ground. Uh, and, and all that, and the sunlight and the oxygen and all that that made up this tree. Uh, and so it's a continuous process. Uh, everything in the world uh, continually changes. Uh, like this body. Uh, this body, uh, this flesh uh, comes from where? From all the food we take, yes or not? From the rice, from the vegetable, etc. And where did all this come from? From different, different uh, sources again. So everything is energy uh, that is constantly changing. This, because energy uh, is in constant motion, uh, that's why there is uh, no such thing as something uh, that remains the same as it is. Uh, uh, everything is in a state of flux, uh, constant change. Uh, and this constant change of energy can take many forms, uh, just like uh, through conditions you see a, a, a plant uh, uh, coming up with a flower. And because the flower is beautiful, you, you, you like to look at the flower. You, you want to appreciate the flower. But because it is impermanent, after a few days, uh, it will wither and pass away. And this energy will go somewhere else. It will make something else. Uh, so everything is, is a constant state of flux. And if you realize uh, that nothing in the world uh, is, is you can hold on to, you can cling on to, uh, then you realize that this is a very dangerous world. Uh, because uh, there is nothing at all uh, you can hold on to. It's constantly changing, constantly changing. Uh, anything that gives you happiness, uh, because it will change, uh, it will go away. Uh, that is a source of dukkha. Uh, because whatever gives you happiness, you, you want to cling to it. You want that happiness to, 
to 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 last, but nothing lasts. Yeah, and, and so uh, this world is uh, full of dukkha. Uh, so that is how venerable uh, Sariputta attained the first uh, path. And then after that, uh, he was so happy, he went to tell his uh, best friend, uh, Venerable Mughalana. And uh, Venerable Mughalana asked him the, the Dhamma. And he, he said the, the same words that Venerable Asaji spoke to him. Uh, and Venerable Mughalana also attained the first path, also became an Arya. So the, the two of them uh, left their teacher, Sanjaya, and went to become disciples of the Buddha. When the Buddha saw them coming, uh, he told his other monk disciples, you look at these two, this pair, they are going to be my chief disciples. Uh, so, um, so that was how uh, uh, the Buddha's disciples came. And Venerable Moghulana, after he uh, became a disciple of the Buddha, the Buddha taught him the Samatha meditation to attain the jhanas. And he struggled very hard. Uh, and for seven days and seven nights, uh, I imagine uh, he didn't sleep, you know, until uh, he he was so tired uh, that even when he entered jhana, he would fall out of the jhana because he was like nodding in sleep. But because uh, the Buddha had psychic power, the Buddha was supervising him all the time. When he dropped out of jhana, the body, the, the Buddha would come in a golden body. His body will come out of his body. And the golden body will come and wake up our Venerable Mughalana and ask him to, to continue his practice. And because he, he, he struggled so hard, within seven days he became an Arahan. So Venerable Sariputta also attained, attained the jhanas. But after 14 days, he was still not enlightened, you know. And then on the 14th day, uh, being a new disciple of the Buddha, uh, Venerable Sariputta was fanning the Buddha, and the Buddha was talking to an external sect ascetics, uh, and Venerable Sariputta just fanning the Buddha and listening to this conversation between the Buddha and the external sect ascetic, uh, and he understood the Dhamma and he became an Arahan just by listening. Uh, so, in 14 days, uh, Venerable Sariputta became an Arahan, and then. Uh, the Buddha's uh, following of disciples uh, started to grow quickly uh, after that uh, because his, his Arahan disciples uh, taught other people and they also became Aryas and they also uh, renounced and the number of people who renounced uh, started to multiply. And the Buddha's father began to hear uh, news uh, that his son became famous so he he sent somebody to invite the Buddha to return to the Sakyan uh, uh, place. So the Buddha came back. And according to the later books, uh, commentaries, uh, that when the Buddha came back, the Sakyans, uh, being a, a warrior caste, uh, they were very proud, you know. So they refused to bow to the Buddha. So according to the commentaries, the Buddha worked a twin miracle uh, and he came back. Uh, uh, this twin miracle uh, was the Buddha's fire, uh, uh, emitted fire, but at the same time, uh, water also came out. Um, water and fire came out of the body at the same time. Uh. And then, uh, when the people were shocked uh, to see this twin miracle, uh, 
and the people became subdued and, and paid respect to him. Then he spoke to them the Visantara Jataka. He talked about the previous life, how he renounced his wife and children to a beggar. But this, this description of the twin miracle and the Jataka is not found in the suttas and is also not found in the Vinaya books. So there is no basis for it. So it must have been added later because we know uh, that these Jataka tales uh, are like stories uh, 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 full of animals talking and then this Vesantara Jataka where he gave away the wife and the children uh, to a poor beggar uh, who mistreated them. Uh, this doesn't make sense at all. Uh, uh, because in the, in the suttas, the Buddha said, a good man's Dhamma does not harm himself, he does not harm others. Uh, but by giving away the wife and children, uh, he is harming them. Right? Uh, it doesn't make sense at all. So the Buddha came back uh, and taught the Dhamma to his father and his mother or stepmother. And they also understood the Dhamma, also attained the Dhamma vision. Uh, path. Then the wife, uh, at that time his son was seven years old. So the, the, the Buddha's wife, or former wife, told the son, he said, told the son Rahula, he said, this is your father. And then uh, he told the son to go and ask the Buddha for his inheritance. He thought uh, the Buddha already renounced uh, the one, the one or his property already that should give to the son. Uh, so, the, the, the son went to, to see, approach the, the Buddha and then uh, asked, uh, uh, then he, he was very happy to see his father. He said, uh, he told the, the Buddha, he said, even your shadow uh, uh, pleases me. <laughs> so then he asked, uh, kept asking the Buddha for the inheritance. So the, the Buddha walked back to the monastery in the forest uh, and he kept following, not asking for his inheritance. <laughs> so when the Buddha went back to the monastery, he told Sariputta to shave off his hair <laughs> and make him a novice. <laughs> the Buddha thought uh, the spiritual inheritance is much better than the worldly inheritance. <laughs> so made him uh, a novice monk. So when the Buddha's father, uh, uh, before that, actually that was a few days later. Uh. But the first day when the Buddha came back to the house, uh, his brother Nanda was getting married on that day. You know. So uh, there was this celebration, uh, he was getting married. So the Buddha accepted the dana, and then the, the brother went to wash, probably went to wash his bowl uh, and was holding his bowl. And the Buddha did not take the bowl back from the, from the brother. Instead, uh, he started to walk back to the monastery in the forest, back to the forest. So his brother, uh, holding his bowl, uh, didn't know what to do, you know. So he saw, probably he thought that his, uh, the Buddha wanted him to carry the bowl uh, all the way to the forest. Uh. So he carried the bowl, left the, the new bride, uh, <laughs> carried the bowl, followed the Buddha to the forest. Then when he, he was alone with the Buddha in the forest, the Buddha told him, why don't you become a monk? <laughs> then, then he got a shock. Uh, but here was his brother already enlightened, asking him to become a monk. How could he refuse? So he said, okay, okay. <laughs> so Buddha got somebody to shave his head and then he became a monk. Uh, then a uh, few days later, uh, as I told you just now, the Buddha's son was ordained as a novice. 
Then after the, the Buddha's father was very hurt, you know. Then he came, the Buddha's father came to see the Buddha in the forest and told the Buddha, he said, Bhagavan, when you left the home, I was very pain, you know, I was very hurt. You know? And a few days ago, when Nanda also renounced and became a monk, I was doubly hurt. And now Rahula has become a novice monk. He said, now this pain goes deep into the flesh and into the bones itself. Then he told the Buddha, he said, next time, with a young boy like this, you want him to renounce, you tell the guardians first, get the permission of the guardian. And then from there, the Buddha made this rule, uh, any young fellow uh, who wants to renounce uh, should get the permission of the parents. Uh. And later this was extended to even uh, uh, older people. Uh. But actually, uh, it, it concerns more of younger people. Uh. And then uh, later the Buddha's mother uh, renounced and uh, became a nun and became an arahant also. And the Buddha's wife also later renounced and became arahant also. Uh, and then uh, many Sakyans uh, 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 renounced uh, because the Sakyan people, uh, the clan, uh, was very proud uh, that one of the Sakyan clan uh, had become a, a, a Buddha, a arahant, samasam Buddha. So they sort of uh, persuaded every Sakyan family uh, to send at least one son to become a, 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 a monk. So the Buddha's uh, relations, uh, cousins and all that also uh, followed him and became uh, um, uh, monks. One of them was Anuruddha. And Anuruddha, uh, when Anuruddha wanted to renounce, uh, his mother was very reluctant to give permission and then he he kept pleading with the mother then the mother thought uh, his best friend is Badia, the chief of the Sakyans then he he told she told Anurudara she said that if your friend Badia is willing to renounce then I will give you permission and then Anuruddha went to pester his friend Badia until uh, Badia um, uh, agreed to renounce uh, then the mother of Anuruddha had to give permission Ananda was another uh, relation uh, of the Buddha who renounced. Uh, and uh, at that time when Anuruddha renounced, uh, he went with I think about seven of them. Anuruddha, Padya, Ananda, Bhagu, Kimbila, Devadatta and Upali. Upali was a barber. Uh, and then within the first year of their renouncing, uh, Badia became an Arahan. Then Anuruddha attained the heavenly eye, psychic power, until he could see uh, 1,000 world systems so clearly like in the palm of his hand. Then uh. Ananda attained the first path, uh, within that first year, and Devadatta attained psychic power. Uh. Then three years after the Buddha's enlightenment, uh, a rich man in uh, Rajagaha offered uh, to build kutis for the monks. Uh. And the Buddha accepted, and he built 60 kutis at one time. And then his uh, relative, uh, his relation by marriage was a man by the name of Anatta Pindika. And Anatta Pindika, on coming to know the Buddha, offered the Jeta Grove or Anatta Pindika's park, a big monastery. 
uh, to the Buddha. And initially, uh, the Buddha's disciples, uh, they, the type of war, rope they wore uh, were called Tangsukula ropes. Uh, that means they had to go to the cemetery and other places uh, to pick up uh, pieces of cloth uh, and sew them into a rope. Uh. And then only after about 20 years, uh, the Buddha allowed his uh, monk, monks uh, to wear robes uh, offered by lay people. Uh. And the lifestyle of the monks under the Buddha uh, was to move from monastery to monastery. Uh. Uh, their monasteries, their monasteries, la. and their daily routine uh, was that uh, early in the morning, uh, uh, after waking up, uh, when the sun comes up, uh, they would go on arms round, go on arms round, and then they bring the food back, and then they would eat in the monastery, and then after that they would find a quiet place uh, in the forest uh, uh, to practice meditation the whole day. La. They would sit under some forest tree. Uh, and meditate. And after the sun sets in the evening, uh, they will come together. They meet uh, where the most senior monk is. Uh, and they will discuss Dhamma. They ask questions about the Dhamma and somebody will answer. Uh, and that was how they passed their day. Uh. Then when the Buddha was old, uh, this Devadatta wanted to succeed the Buddha. He asked the Buddha, to step aside uh, and let him uh, be the leader. And then the, the Buddha sort of uh, put him down uh, in front of all the other monks uh, and said, uh, who do you think you are to succeed uh, me to uh, take over my place? I have not even asked Sariputta or Mogulana to take my place and you dare to say you want to take my place. And the Buddha said, who are you? You are like spittle and people spit out. You know? uh, and he was so angry. Uh, that he decided to want to kill the Buddha. So he plotted to kill the Buddha. He tried uh, several ways to kill the Buddha, but he was not successful. And uh, because of that, the Buddha said uh, that he was destined for hell. He would go to hell for a very, very long time. And then at the age of 80, the Buddha passed away. Uh, and his last instructions to the, the, the monks, uh, among his few last instructions, the most important one uh, was that he said after he has passed away uh, that they should take the Dhamma Vinaya as their teacher. Not to take any particular monk as the teacher, but the Dhamma Vinaya. And the Dhamma is explained in the suttas uh, as the suttas, uh, the discourses of the Buddha. The Vinaya does not concern lay people, so that means lay people uh, should take the suttas as your teacher. And that is the most important uh, instruction uh, that the Buddha has left behind. Uh, so if you uh, want to uh, show some respect for the Buddha, uh, instead of uh, bowing down, uh, the Buddha said, the highest respect you can show to a Buddha is to understand his Dhamma and carry out the practice of the Dhamma according to what he has said in the suttas. Uh, so I think uh, that's all I have to say for now. Huh? This question about vipassana meditation and jhanas. Huh? Uh, the monks who teach vipassana, they teach it on the basis of later books, like commentaries and visuddhimagga, etc. And there is no 
they don't uh, follow the suttas uh, strictly. Because in the commentaries, it is stated that there are five types of arahants. The first type of arahana is the best type with all the four jhanas. Uh, because the Buddha has stated in the suttas that uh, right concentration is the four jhanas, right? Uh, so they say that the best type of, uh, or the one type of the five types of arahants is one who has attained four jhanas. The second type is one who has attained three jhanas. The third type is one who has attained two jhanas. The fourth type is one who has attained one jhana. And the fifth type is one who has attained no jhana. And, and this last one they call the pure vipassana uh, meditator uh, or pure, uh, pure vipassana arahana. But unfortunately, uh, this contradicts the suttas. And the reason why many people follow blindly uh, this uh, teaching is that because they are not familiar with the suttas. Because in the suttas, uh, it is stated very clearly uh, that nobody can become an arahan without jhana. And where is this stated? In the Majjima Nikaya. I think it is Sutta 64, uh, I'm not sure of the exact number, where the Buddha has stated very clearly that there is a path leading to the destruction of the five lower factors. What does destruction of the five lower factors mean? Destruction of the five lower factors uh, means the attainment of anagami, or third fruition. Mm. But the Arahan has destroyed ten, that means all the factors, ten factors. That means the Arahan has also destroyed the five lower factors. So when you say a person who has destroyed the five lower factors, it means the Anagami and the Arahan, third and fourth food attainer. Now in the Sutta, the Buddha said, there is a path leading to the attainment of the disruption of the five lower factors, that means Anagami and Arahan Buddha. And the Buddha said, without following this path, it is impossible to destroy the five lower factors. That means it is impossible to attain anagami and arahanhood nah, without, without uh, following this particular path. Then he went on to explain, what is that path? What is that path? First jhana, uh, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana. Uh, so, uh, it is very clear from this sutta, that it is impossible to become anagami and arahant without the jhanas. But it is possible without jhana to become sotapanna and sakadagami. Hmm. But the problem is nowadays, uh, they like to teach a type of samadhi or concentration called the momentary concentration. And this momentary concentration is putting your attention uh, from one object to another object to another object. But actually, this is just the ordinary mind, uh, because there is a sutta given uh, for us to understand the ordinary mind. And that sutta, the Buddha gave the, the parable of the hunter who caught six animals. I think I've uh, uh, spoken this, I mentioned this before. This is about the hunter who caught six animals, the eagle, the monkey, the snake, the crocodile, the dog and the hyena. 
And then the Buddha said, this hunter uh, tied a rope to each of the six animals, and these six ropes, uh, he tied them into a knot, and he let them loose. And what happens? They will be tugging in six different directions. The eagle wants to fly into the air. The monkey wants to climb up the tree. The snake wants to go into a hole to hide. The crocodile wants to go to the river. The dog wants to go into town to look for food. And the hyena wants to go up the hill. So these six uh, are tugging in six different directions. At any one time, whichever animal is stronger, he will pull the others. And the other five have to follow him. When he grows tired, another one will pull and the others have to follow him. This is what the Buddha calls an unrestrained mind. And this is, uh, well, you can see uh, that these six animals represent uh, the six sense objects. Form wants to pull our attention to see. Sound wants to pull our attention to hear. A smell wants to pull our attention to smell. A flavor wants to pull our attention to taste. A contact wants to pull our attention uh, to, to, to touch. Uh, and a thought wants to pull our attention to think. Uh, so these six uh, sense objects are, are pulling in six different directions. And at any particular time, uh, whichever one is the strongest, uh, gets our attention. And after that, another one takes over. So that means our our attention is moving from object to object to object. And that's just an ordinary mind. And they call that the momentary concentration. Now this teaching has no basis at all in the suttas. Uh, so unfortunately, this is happening nowadays. And the Buddha gave a warning in the Samyutta Nikaya that the true Dhamma will disappear when people have disrespect for five things. The first one is the Buddha. Second one is the Dhamma. The third is the Sangha. The fourth one is the training. Uh, and the last one is Samadhi, concentration. This one is happening now. People belittle jhana, saying that jhana is not necessary, that uh, jhana, in the state of jhana, there is no sati. And this is not true at all. In the state of the jhana, sati is very pure. Uh, in the description of the jhanas, uh, the Buddha said, in the fourth jhana, the fourth jhana is a state uh, where sati uh, is completely pure. You cannot have a stronger sati uh, than in the fourth jhana. And these people say that jhana, you are like in a trance, as though you are falling asleep, you don't know. And that is not jhana. And the jhana, the mind is very clear. 